Welcome to Circle 3 Cowboy Fellowship's podcast. We are patriots, unafraid and unashamed to speak the truth and spread the gospel. Today's message is from Gary Lear. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the show. So we got a couple announcements here. Uh, this afternoon we got uh, team open happening. Uh, it was uh, kind of a last minute deal, but uh, Jay Money, who are producers of Team Open in the Valley, called me up and uh, coronavirus had closed one of their arenas that they were supposed to be holding it at. And I said, more than happy to launch you guys here. So uh, the church isn't producing this one. We're actually hosting it for J-Money. Uh, it's going to start right after church. They're going to start uh, sign-ins and stuff. So uh, uh, we're going to be selling concessions. So if you don't have any lunch plans, you can hang out and buy a hamburger and join us. And uh, we're going to have activities. How do you like the lawn out there? Instant Latin. It, that is so much better than the dirt that we've lived with for, what, four years now, I think? And, uh, you know, I have to, he's around the corner, but uh, I figured the only person that would be disappointed is Randy, the Dakota's little boy, and I can't see him, but I know he's back there. Because last year at camp, we had dirt out there, and that little guy got wet. He, would go out, he was completely covered in mud from one end to the other in love and life. And so I figured we probably ruined it for him this year. But otherwise, the rest of us are going to enjoy having a lawn out there. So uh, that got done this week. And uh, let's see. So Thursday night, we've got our Thursday night groping. Uh, it'll be our points night. So uh, we'll either do a round robin or an open roping, depending upon what our turnout is again. And uh, that starts at, uh, when do we kick that? 6.30, I think, is when we normally do that. So we'll be starting at 6.30. Um We've been talking more and more about camp. Camp is coming up the last week of June. We've got some sign-up sheets in the back. Uh, we're looking for clinicians to work with kids on different events in the arena, uh, barrel poles, uh, lead line events. We're looking for uh, folks that uh, maybe would have a horse that would be bomb-proof, kid-proof that they'd want to bring down. What lead line is is basically we let the kids that have no horse experience whatsoever get introduced to a horse. So if you have a child that you'd like to send to camp but they don't have a horse, that's okay. Bring them on anyway, and uh, we have events here for them so that they can get an introduction to horsemanship. And uh, so we need volunteers to help work in that area. Uh, one of the lead line horses we've used over the past several years is my old gilding that uh, got sick last summer. We had to put him down, so we're going to be one horse short for sure this year. So if you have a horse or if you know of someone with a herd horse, uh, yeah, just please see me or, or Cindy and let us know. And, Get a list. We've got a list going back there, so get your name on the list, the list if you'd like to volunteer. So we've got all that happening, and that's coming up. We'll be holding meetings uh, the closer we get, trying to organize everybody. I think our food team is pretty well in, in order, so uh, we'll just need to get a list from you guys on the food team as to what we're going to need to get the groceries and such. Um, let's see. Then I've got – we're going to try this again. This time, Dad, you the coronavirus isn't going to stop us, but our garden team has got – a grain bin full of yard sale items out here. And uh, we were supposed to do this back in April, I think, early April, and it got canceled. So they had rescheduled the yard sale. And it's going to be May 21st and 22nd uh, from 8 to 4 on both days. So it says Wednesday need help and flatbed trailers in the afternoon at 1 p.m. So that's this week, isn't it? That's this week. Okay. Huh? Thursday and Friday this week. So if you've got a flatbed trailer that you don't need to use for the weekend, they'd like to borrow it just to set stuff on out here. So uh, 
at one o'clock on Wednesday if you can bring it down and help them. Uh, they sure appreciate the help. Let's see, we need volunteers on Thursday and Friday to during the sale. So if any of you garden team folks, if you're available, that would be helpful. And uh, come on down and, and uh, get with Jim and Wendy or Jan uh, if you're going to be able to help and let them know what you can do. Yeah, so if you still have yard sale stuff that you were not able to get rid of back in April, but you'd still like to get rid of it, yeah, Wednesday at 1 would be a good time to get it down here. Um, now, they told me when we first started this that they didn't want anybody junking. And then I walked in the building and I saw a church full of junk. One man junks another man's treasure, I guess. So, uh, anyhow, get with them on, on that and that's going to be happening this week. Uh, let's see, we've got next weekend, we're opening our evening service back. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, we'll be back to having our morning service at the 10 o'clock hour, and then our evening service at 6, just like we've always done, and followed by supper. So, I'm sure the food email will be back and going out. If you are interested in being on the food email list so you know what the themes are, uh, get with Cindy or, or Linda or one of them back there, and uh, maybe we have a list back there. We do. Okay. I, there are so many lists, I can't keep them straight, but... Uh, get your name on the list with your email address, and they will be happy to send out the food email to you. Uh, let's see. We don't have another Gymkhana roping coming up until the 13th, although I think uh, Tina's got a Gymkhana coming up. When? Next Saturday? There's no rest around here, I'll tell you. You know, be careful what you wish for. When we built this place, I, I, you know, I remember specifically asking the Lord that this would be a place that the community could come to. I wanted to see activities going on all the time down here. And I'll tell you what, we've been busy this year. Uh, when you're the only church in town and you're the only arena in town, uh, things get really hectic. And, and I praise God for that. And I'm glad we're here and able to meet the need. So uh, we, I guess we do have a Gymkhana. That'll be uh, this Thursday, or this Saturday, excuse me. Uh, if any of our kids would like to go with Linda, she'll have a little kids lesson, and then she'll send you right back. And Mom up here, she's not even asking. She's just telling you to get out. Can't say that I blame her. I, I don't know her children, but I raised children, and there were times where it was nice to just kick them out. My mom used to tell us to get out, and she'd lock the door. And I know she's probably listening on Facebook, and you know it's true. <laughs> all right. Did I get all the announcements? I need? Oh, Wednesdays, we have Ladies Bible Study at 930 here at the church. And... Uh, I don't know when they're normally supposed to get over with. This past Wednesday, I think it was around 11 o'clock probably at least by the time they turned out. And I think it's because we pulled in with a load of sod, so they decided if they stayed in the building and acted like they were studying the Word of God, we wouldn't ask for help. No, actually, I want to thank the ladies from the Bible study who went out and got our lunch and brought it back to us. That was very nice and very helpful. And so ladies' Bible study is at 9.30 here at the church. That is going to be interesting. Those kids are headed for a big mud puddle. And I don't think Linda realizes what's happening down here at the end of the yard. But your children may not come back as clean as we sent them out. But they're staying here. Okay. Just put them in the grain bin. <laughs> All right. Okay. So um, we're going to start the morning with uh, starting in Exodus. 
And we're going to go to Exodus chapter 26, and I'm going to start with verse 31 through 33. Now, this is where God had been given Moses directions on how to build the tabernacle. Uh, you know, God, God didn't draw blueprints. I mean, for Noah, he dictated all the dimensions and all the things he needed to build. And, and he did the same thing for Moses when he came to the tabernacle. He just dictated it, and those guys built it. I, I'm glad nowadays we use blueprints, and even using blueprints too often, we still get messed up and confused. So God had been telling them about how he wanted the tabernacle to be built. And that very first tabernacle that they built was, was a tent. Uh, it was made of curtains and, and animal hides, and, and it was portable because they packed it around through the desert with them for 40 years while they wanted and so he had given them these directions, and he goes on to say, Make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen, with cherubim woven into it by a skilled worker. Hang it with gold hooks on four posts of acacia wood, overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. Hang the curtain from the clasps, and place the Ark of the Covenant law behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. So what they had going on is they had this tent, and depending upon how you uh, translate what a cubit means, and most people translate that to mean a cubit is about a foot and a half. So if you do the math out on this thing, this tent was about 30 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 30 feet tall. Now I saw where one guy, he, he had his math totally screwed up, and he was saying it was 60 feet tall. But for most, of the, for most of the research I've done, it was about 30 by 30 and 30 feet tall, so it was a cubit. And in the very back is where they placed the covenant. Now, the covenant was what held the Ten Commandments. That was God's law. And that was the holiest of holy places. Okay? So he had them take this big curtain and hang across this, and no one was allowed in there because God said, this is where I will be when I'm dwelling with my people. And at times, he would descend upon the tabernacle as a cloud, and anybody who was not even allowed to enter the tabernacle at that time. Now, as far as the holy of holy places, no one except the high priest was ever allowed behind that curtain, except for one day. That day now is known as Yom Kippur, but the day in the Old Testament was known as the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, the high priest could go behind the curtain, and he would take blood and sprinkle it back there. First, he would take the blood of a bull and sprinkle it for atonement of his sins. And then he would have the blood of a goat, and he would take it back there and sprinkle it for the atonement of the rest of the Israelites' sins. Now, we've all heard the term scapegoat, right? It actually came from the Bible. According to God's law, the high priest was to bring two goats for sacrifice into the courtyard. And he would draw lots. I assume the high priest would do it because goats don't have opposable thumbs, and so they couldn't draw straws. So he would draw the lots for them, and whichever goat was drawn for the Lord would be sacrificed, and then that would be the blood that was sprinkled for the atonement of the people's sins. The other goat was called the scapegoat, because they would bring him in alive before the Lord, and they would take the sins of the people upon that goat, and then they would send the goat out into the wilderness as a means of carrying the sin away. That's where the term scapegoat came from. He got carried everybody's sin. I apparently am the scapegoat around here when it comes to going off teleprompter and winging it. 
So as the years went along, we know that Solomon built the temple. And he followed the same dimensions and the same furnishings were brought in. And the Ark of the Covenant was brought in at that time. And then somewhere after the Babylonians came in and destroyed Solomon's temple, the Ark was misplaced and has never been seen again. The second temple then was built by Herod and is known as Herod's temple. That would have been the temple that stood while Jesus was here. The temple was still the same size, 30 by 30 and 30 feet tall. It still had a road closing off the Holy of Holies. They say that during Jesus' time, though, since the ark was not there, that the Holy of Holies was actually empty. There was a raised platform back there that would have held the ark and had the ark been there because the ark was being suspended off of the ground when it was in its holy of holy places. So this platform was built, but the ark was no longer there. But the curtain remained. And the curtain is the focal point of my message today. Now, this curtain, some say the curtain was about four inches thick. And as I researched that and I studied that, there's no biblical reference to that, although I've heard preachers preach on that topic that says, well, the, the, the curtain was the width of a man's hand. And we know that a hand is standard four inches. And when you measure a horse, they're measured in hand. And that's 15-hand horse multiplied times four. That's how many inches he is at the weather. So they say that the curtain was. Well, as I started digging into that a little bit, I find that that kind of came from an interpretation of some ancient Hebrew writings that is said that could have been an exaggeration. Because as the story goes with the Hebrew writings, is that the curtain was four inches thick, and that 80 women worked every year to build a new set of curtains. And it took 300 priests to hang it, because it was so heavy. And they said that, that a team of horses pulling in each direction could not rip it. Now that's according to folktale. That's not in the Bible. So I don't know if that's true or not. As, as some said, it could be an exaggeration. But either way, there was a curtain that was still hanging in the temple. And I meant to look up, but I ran out of time this morning. I wanted to see, and I bet they have it posted online, the plans for the new temple. Maybe you've seen it. Have you seen the drawings for the new temple or not? I'm sure it's very much exactly the same. As a matter of fact, Israel has already got all of the furnishings. I imagine the, the curtains, the veils are already made. What I understand, they have all of this put together already, just waiting for the time that the Lord has chosen to build the third temple on the holy site. And I think that's coming pretty quick, quite honestly. And when you think about it, a 30 by 30 building would fit inside this building. That's not a very big building. Now, what was larger was the temple courts that went around the temple. And in Jesus' time, the temple courts... They say we're around 100 cubits by 100 cubits. So if you do the math on that, that's about 150 feet square. I've heard others say that it was much larger than that, so I'm not quite sure. Some of them make it sound like it was almost an acre, 233 feet square. So that's getting pretty close to an acre. Either way, the temple courts were divided up. You had the outer court, also known as the Gentiles' court. Meaning anybody could go in that, assuming they could behave themselves, is the, is, was one of the stories that I read. As long as they could be good, they could come into that outer court. Now see, I don't have those expectations of you guys around here. Everyone is welcomed in, 
regardless of whether you're good or not, because obviously some of you in the back corner can't be good, and we haven't thrown them out yet. What was that? <laughs> Sticker Andy's going to see me on one a little later, too. So that was the outer court. Then they had an inner court, which is also known as the women's court. So they kept it segregated by sex. So the women were allowed in, and it was within the courts, a little bit closer to the front door of the temple, but not all the way up to the temple. And then they had Israel's court, or men's court. It's called two different things. And that was right up almost to the temple gates. And then they had the priest's court, which was between the men and the temple. And that's how the courtyard was broken down at the time. But either way, in every one of the temples, starting with the Ten of Meetings, all the way through Herod's temple, and what would be the new temple when it's built, there was this curtain that secluded everybody from the holiest of holies. That was God's space back there. That's where God dwelt. That was his God cave, if you want to call it that. No one was allowed back there except the high priest and only on Yom Kippur. Now I want to direct your attention to Matthew 27, 50-51. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. In that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks split. We've all heard that. We've all heard that because that's part of our Easter story, right? We just read this a few weeks ago during the Easter story. The curtain of the temple ripped. Now that's a, an impressive feat. Let's just assume for once that that curtain was four inches thick and 30 feet tall. That would take something to rip it. I think you could probably, something that thick made out of material, you could probably hook a couple pickup trucks on either side of it and not get it to rip. But when Jesus gave up his spirit, that ripped. There's a lot more to that story than just that ripping. What was actually happening? It ripped from top to bottom, 30 feet right down the middle. It ripped. And oftentimes we overlook that and we lose it. I mean, it's just one little short sentence in the story of Easter. But it's huge. It's significant. Because what that torn veil means is that no longer can the high priest only one time a year who is bearing the blood of a bull and then the blood of a goat, enter into the Holy of Holies. Because of what Jesus sacrificed on the cross, when that robe, that veil tore, that means each and every one of us now who bear the blood of Jesus Christ can approach God any time, any day, day or night. Now that's something huge, folks. We no longer need the priest to go behind the curtain for us. We can go straight to God ourselves. And he will listen. And he will answer our prayers. By tearing of the veil, it opened God up to all who bear the blood of Jesus Christ for atonement. See, Jesus' blood is our atonement. No longer do we need somebody to go around behind the curtain and sprinkle it on our behalf. When you, I was in Exodus and Leviticus quite a bit this morning, and when you start looking at all the rules that they had to follow, my word, I've been the boss, I've been self-employed for going on 25 years now, I'm really good at giving orders, not so good at taking them, 
Just ask Cindy. I would not have done well under that system. I thank God that Jesus came and simplified this so that now I can just go to God. I don't have to do this feast and that feast and bring my best calf forward and do this and do that. I can just go to God anytime I want, seven days a week. He's like the 7-Eleven. He's always open. And it's not just for me, but it's for you too. We get a lot of prayer requests in this church. And we've got people who are in charge of, of getting that out in email format to everyone all the time. And that's wonderful. It's good that we pray for each other. We need to pray for each other. But I want to remind us that we can pray for ourselves too. And we should be. Because the opportunity is before us that we can enter the Holy of Holies. As a matter of fact, we serve an omnipresent God, meaning He's here all the time, everywhere. So we're always in His presence. We don't have to go to a certain room to pray. We've got a lot of new faces, so I'm going to tell the story again, but most of you have heard this. But I was working in a in a convent some years back over in Colorado Springs in this this little nun, and I was in Bible college at the time, and she came up to me, and I was in I was in her personal quarters putting a, a heater in this little sunroom thing, and she came to me, and she said, how much longer are you going to be there? And I said, well, it's going to be a while yet. Well, at 1 o'clock is my prayer time, and you're in my prayer room. Being young, stupid, and in Bible college, I respond, well, ma'am, he'll hear your prayer in the living room just the same as he will in this room. And she didn't think much of that. But the truth is, you serve an omnipresent God. He can hear you in the barn. He can hear you when you're driving down the road going to work. The veil's torn. He's available. Seven days a week. All the time he's available. So what is prayer then? Prayer is just communication with God, folks. It doesn't have to be something... Formal. It can be. It doesn't always mean we have to bow down on our knees to pray, although we can and we should at times. There have been times where I've been in such distress and pleading with God that not only did I bow down, but my face was on the floor and I was begging God for answers. And there are times when that's appropriate too. But there are a lot of times, a lot of times when you guys call me up with your prayer requests, and I've had a lot of them recently. And that's okay, good. I want them. I want you to know I pray for you. And most of the time, as soon as I hang up the phone, I'll just talk to God right there and say, can, Lord, can you deal with whatever the case may be? It's just that simple. See, prayer is just communicating with God. We communicate with each other all the time. Most of us do. If I'm good, Cindy talks to me. If I'm bad, she doesn't. But most of the time, she talks to me. And vice versa, we communicate. There are times we're together and we'd be driving, going somewhere. Maybe we don't either one of us have anything to say, and that's okay too. But when the thought comes to my mind to say something to her, I turn to her and I say it. Well, it has to be no different with God. When something's laid on your heart and you need to say something to God, just say it to Him. He's there. He's always there. You don't have to wait till you get to church or wait till you get somewhere special. The veil's been torn, folks. 
Now, when I pray, and I pray in public especially, I'm not a fancy preacher prayer. Preacher prayer, is that? A lot of you guys probably noticed that about me, and that's okay. I know a lot of pastors, when they'll do their pastoral prayer, will have it. I've been in church my whole life. I've watched these guys. They'll have a beautifully written out prayer. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord of all creation, and this and this and this, and I'm not saying there's a thing wrong with it. But when I talk to Cindy, I don't say, oh, gracious, most beautiful, lovely, heavenly, sick from God, woman who's now, I don't talk that way. God doesn't expect us to be somebody we're not. Just talk to him. One of the reasons that I keep my prayers fairly brief and I don't battle on is because of this verse right here. This is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 8. And this is Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. These are the words of Jesus. For most of you, if you're looking in your Bible, these words are written in red. And it says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees you, sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before he even asks you. So I want to assure you guys, when I stand up here and I pray for the prayer request of the church, I know most of them, but I don't go into a lot of details. Why? Because God already knows. And he responds. He knows what needs to be done. I want to assure you guys that when you pray, you are praying to a God who is exposed to you right now. He's exposed to you. We know this because the veil was torn. He no longer hides behind or dwells. Let me rephrase that. Dwells behind the veil. He is out there for everyone. And he's out there because his blood of his son paid the price for your sins. The atonement has been paid. And so what I'm trying to do this morning as we go through hard times, and we're going through them right now, is have an active prayer life. As a matter of fact, and I wonder why this is, but I've always been told that the shortest verse in the Bible is, Jesus wept. Heard it in Bible God, I've heard it. But if you look at 1 Thessalonians, chapter 17, pray continually. That's two words too. So I'm not sure Jesus wept in. It might be like in a three-way tie because actually 16 says rejoice always. So we have several two-verse, two-word verses. But Paul says pray continually. And I, when I first read that years ago, I thought, my word, how can I do that? How can anybody do that? If I talk to God all the time and I don't talk to her, there's going to be heck to pay. Most of you guys know this. It does not work when you're not listening to her and she says, were you listening to me? It doesn't work to say, well, I was talking to God right there. They don't buy it. Pray continually, he says. Well, how do you do that? Then as I got to studying a little bit more, the word continually is not exactly the best translation from the original Greek word. Ongoingly or repetitively is a better translation that could have been used from what I've read and what I've studied up in the original Greek text. So
So now it makes more sense. If you recognize that God is omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere all the time, around you all the time. If God is omnipresent, to pay, to pray continually or repetitively is a pretty simple thing to do. I speak to her repetitively, probably wishes I wouldn't some of the time. You speak to each other. You speak to me and we speak to each other. When, when, when something comes up and you got something to say to me, most of you are waiting on me. And vice versa. We can be that way with God, folks. Pray repetitively. Speak to God on an ongoing basis. Recognize the fact that He's with you right by your side all the time. And you can talk to Him. Folks, if we start exercising prayer in the way that I've laid out, in the way that I believe the Bible lays out for us, I believe we will all have a much more productive prayer life. Because we're following the instruction that Jesus gave us about prayer. All of us can do it. I was watching uh, that movie last night. We've seen it a couple times. Uh, Left Behind. The Left Behind series. And it's got that Kirk Cameron guy in it. And his character is sitting there and he finally realizes that what has just happened is that he's lived through the rapture and he's been left behind and he sits down on the floor there and he says, well, God, this is the first time I've ever prayed. And he was all awkward about it, not knowing how to do it. And too many of us are that way. Too many of us are saying, oh, well, I've never prayed. I can't pray. I understand not always being able to pray in public. I remember growing up in the church at times, a Sunday school teacher would just call on certain people. When I was getting time to close the I mean, I crouched down and I tried to become as invisible as I could so the Sunday school teacher wouldn't call on me to pray in public. I hated it. Even up until the time I went to Bible college, we'd do chapel every night during our break time during uh, our college. And the, the chaplain would always call on somebody. Here I am studying to be a preacher and I'd still find myself crouching down hoping he didn't call on me. That was before I realized how simple and natural prayer is. Communication is natural. We communicate with each other all the time, and I want to encourage you to communicate with God the same way, because he's your heavenly father. The veil has been torn. There's nothing formal about it any longer. We don't have to have the high priest go behind the curtain for atonement of our sin. That's been done by Jesus. Now we have a heavenly father that we can speak to whenever we need him. And I do encourage you to continue to send your prayer request to the church, because it's good for the church to pray for each other and to support each other. That's a part, an important part of our ministry here. But I want to encourage you this morning to work on your prayer life. And it doesn't have to be something so technical as a lot of the churches do. It can just simply be recognizing the presence of God with you at all times. And when you've got something to say to God, say it to Him. It can just be that simple. And I think as we start going through these difficult times, and I think there, there will be more to come with all that today, we need to learn to lean on God more. We need to know that God is with us, and He is walking beside us, and we can talk to Him, and we can rely on Him. And if you do that, folks, I think you're going to find an improvement in your prayer life, and an improvement away on the way that you feel about your relationship with God. So I want to encourage you this morning. Let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for these who have come. Again, Lord, we pray for the prayer request of the church that you would uh, put comfort on those who need comfort. And by all means, Lord, that your will be done. We just pray that you be with our event this afternoon. I pray for safety for the writers and
time of fellowship this afternoon. Just pray that you bring us all back together next week. never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you'd like to but you're not really sure how, please feel free to email us at circle3podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's circle, the number three, podcast at gmail.com. We would love to help you out. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and click follow. That way you never miss a message. Cowboy churches are the fastest growing in the nation, so there's sure to be one near you if you'd like to try it out. Have a great day. See you next time. Thank you.